good evening and welcome to the Marriage Reform Prayer Call. I pray that that reverberation is taken care of. I hope so. I, I can't hear you back. So, uh, Amy, if you'll text me or let me know if there's still a, a reverberation. Uh, I really believe this is an important call um, and will answer some questions for folks. So I want to make sure that you can hear clearly and that I'm not reverberating to you guys. So let me just check and, and make sure there's no reverb I hear. Awesome, awesome. Well, let's go ahead and get started. I want to welcome you to the Marriage Reform Prayer Call. My name is Kim Moore, and I am excited that you are here joining us this evening. I appreciate you setting aside 30 minutes to take part in something God is doing. You know, this is bigger than you and I. This is about reclaiming marriage to the body of Christ. We've taken some hits. And we are on this wall, we are on this line to say enough is enough is enough. We are taking our place on the mountain of marriage and family to declare the kingdom of God. And so we're made up of married folks, unmarried, they're widows on the call that believe in this assignment, separated and divorced folks on this call. And we gather each week to reclaim the mountain of marriage and family. And we do this in two ways. One, we, <clears throat> we do a short scriptural revelatory teaching, and then we declare the scriptures that we expound on, and we, we pray them. Um, as we're taught, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so far, we have 25 states that are represented on this call, and we want you to believe with us that the other 25 states will be represented on this call and that our nation will have someone or and even more than one standing in each ground of each state declaring the word of God in the area of marriage. Well, tonight I want to briefly talk about conflict. Now, I know you guys don't have conflict or experience it in your marriages <laughs> um, or with the people that you love, but just for those that you encounter that might need some help in this area, I want to talk about conflict. But before I do, let me say this. And friend uh, Quincy Goodstar, uh, just the, the light bulb went off when he said this to me a few days ago on another call I'm on, and, and it bears repeating here. You know, when you, first of all, when you think you have an answer, you're not looking for one. And so in the area of marriage, nobody's looking for answers because we think we have an answer. The problem is, Many of our own marriages betray us and, and, and prove that we don't have the answer uh, that we think we have. And so there's something about revelation that Quincy said that I want to share that it just really resonated me, with me. First of all, revelation is something that's not previously uh, said or commonly known. And so those of, us that, those of us, when we hear revelation, it's new to us. I'm not suggesting there's anything new under the sun. The Bible says there there isn't. But I do believe that God gives revelation in each generation in a way, a manner, and a language that the people can understand and run with it. But revelation is different. It, it, it challenges us to see things uh, that we may have seen a certain way to see them differently. And the problem is when we're accustomed to seeing something a certain way and the teaching we receive reinforces it, it makes it very difficult to hear and receive revelation. It, it just trips us up a little bit. 
And, and in some ways, while it may not be, uh, and sometimes it's inconsistent and contrary to what we've learned, and other times it's a parallel. It's just a deeper truth. But this is why Jesus said you don't put new wine in old wineskins because the wineskin will be destroyed and you'll lose the wine. And so my prayer is that God would collect us on this line as new wineskins capable, able, and prepared to receive new wine or revelation in the area of marriage. I think it was Einstein that says if we keep doing the same thing and expect different results, we are the fools, or it's insanity. And so tonight, I just pray that for Father, that that your sheep that would hear your voice, and that Father God, we present ourselves to you as new wineskins, ready to receive new wine. Lord, we pray that you would take out the stony places in our heart, the traditions of men that have made your word ineffective in our relationships, and give us give us hearts of flesh. Pull back the foreskin, that we can hear you afresh. It's you who gives seeing eyes and hearing ears and an understanding heart. And this is what I pray for tonight in Jesus' name. So I want to talk about conflict, and then I want to pray. First, let me give you a definition of conflict that may be different than what you've heard before. Conflict is God's request for something you have so that he can reveal more of himself to you. Let me say it again. Conflict is God's request for something you have so that he can release or reveal more of himself to you. I remember when my kids were young, and uh, it was Christmas time, and each year they had to empty some things in good working order out of their toy chest so that they could receive new gifts and presents. And so conflict is one of the ways that God asks you for something so that he can give more of himself to you. And the frequency and intensity of the conflict you experience in marriage or any other relationship equals the degree to which you have been unwilling to give God what he's asked for. Let me say that again. The frequency and intensity of the conflict you experience in marriage, work with your kids, or any relationship that matters to you equals the degree to which you are unwilling or to which you are resistant to giving God what he asked for. We have to remember that we are bought with a price. Our life is not our own. And when we receive Jesus Christ, we gave him permission to do in us and through us all that seems good to him. And so he is in us, giving us the desire to do what pleases him. And so when he makes a request, a lot of times he doesn't come to you, or maybe he does. But in many times, uh, he may come to you and say, hey, Kim, I want this from you. And, that, and I may not hear him. And other times, he might send somebody and say, hey, God wants you to do this. And I may or may not hear them. But I'll tell you what, if you experience conflict long enough, hard enough, you will become open to considering things that you were unwilling to consider before. And in order to answer God's request, you have to have a willing heart 
and a willing mind. And conflict accomplishes both of those things. I want to read a scripture to you. It's in James 4, 1 through 10, and I want to read it through the uh, the Passion Translation. Let me find it here. I want to read it through the Passion Translation um, just because it just adds more verbiage for us to understand. And it says this, what is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you? as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires. So here we have conflict comes because there's something inside of you that you are holding on to that God has asked you for for any number of different ways. His his ways are endless. Conflict is one way he's asked you for what's inside of you, and it comes because we're insisting on our own way, and to fulfill our own desires rather than filling the desires he puts in us to do what pleases him. He says, verse 2, you jealously, you jealously want what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme with envy and harm others to selfishly obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight. Why? Because you are trying to get something, and it could be something that God wants you to have, but you are going about it in a way that God cannot support and, can, can, and condone. And so you have conflict. And all the time, you don't obtain what you want because you won't ask God for it. So when we're in conflict, one of the things we can learn quickly is, God, what is it, the lesson you want me to learn in this? What are you asking me for that I have not been willing to give you or that you want and I'm ready to give you? Verse 3, and if you ask, you won't receive it, for you are asking with corrupt motives. So there's some of us that ask God for what we want, that even ask God what the lesson is in all of this, but we're asking with wrong motives or wrong intentions, that is, to seek only to fulfill our selfish desires. You become spiritual adulterers. Did you know adultery isn't just what you do in the flesh between uh, another person and yourself? Adultery, you can commit a spiritual adultery by seeking and having an affair with your own desires and getting things the way you want and getting people to behave the way you want them to behave. It's called manipulation and control. And the Bible in James calls it an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be this world's friend makes himself God's enemy. When we try to get what God has for us through illegitimate or through worldly methods, we make ourselves an enemy to God. And that's the importance of waiting on God. One of the things waiting does, it purifies our motives so that when God blesses us, it's the blessings that make us rich and add no sorrow. Does the scripture mean, verse 5, Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us? 
Well, the only way he can have more of us is if we release ourselves. And the loving and beautiful part about God, he just doesn't want more of you for his selfish sake. He wants more of you so that he can give you more of himself. And so when we give him what he asks, we create space, we create room for him so that the prayers we've been praying, the things that we desire that he's put in us, now we have room to receive it. Do you know some of the things that you haven't received now in marriage is because there's no space in your life for God to give them to you because he will not contend with us while we are contending with our spouse to get that which we want. And verse 6 says, but he continues to pour out more and more grace. This is what I love about God. Even though we're resisting, he continues to pour out more grace. Do you know that the frequency and intensity of conflict is, is God's grace to help you see and make different decisions? Listen, when you hurt bad enough, when you're uncomfortable enough, when you're in pain enough, you will make decisions that you ordinarily would not make. It's true for you, and it's true for me. And the grace of God is to continue to bring us to a place where we make decisions that honor God, that are healthy for us, and that are beneficial for those that are in relationship to us. So verse 7 says, so then surrender to God. That is, give God what he's asking you for. And when you do, stand up, says, So then surrender to God, stand up to the devil, and resist him, and he in return will run for you. We often uh, read that scripture that says, um, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But the Bible says in your submitting, in your releasing, in your surrendering, you are resisting the devil. I know that's true because Proverbs says this. Proverbs says in 16.7 says, when a man's ways please the Lord, He makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So when we give God what he wants, then God in turn makes those at odds with us to be at peace with us. Verse 8, move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come closer to you. This is about God wanting to show up in your life. It's about God wanting to reveal himself, his power, his authority, his presence, his glory in you that you might glorify him. See, conflict is not to destroy you. It's to help establish the Christ in you. And then it says this, but make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Feel the pain of your sin, be sorrowful and weep. Let your joking around be turned to mourning and your joy into deep humiliation. Be willing to be made low before the Lord because his desire is to exalt you. And so conflict humbles us. That's why you think about it. Why do you have the same argument on a different day? I'm sorry, why do your friends, those that you're ministering to, have the same argument on a different day? Because conflict is always comes down to character. And so there's not a hundred things that God is trying to fix in you. There's one or two or three things that if God could get you aligned, your character aligned with him, then he could bless you and you would see the fruit of what he's doing in your life. So here are a few scriptures. 
hear a few scriptures and then and then we'll pray. There's so much more we could talk about this this one subject because one of the things that contributes to the conflict you have are strongholds. And we don't have time to talk about strongholds tonight. But one of the things strongholds do, one it makes it, it makes it difficult for us to give God what he's asking for. It it makes it hard to even see what God is asking us for. And here, here's some scriptures. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. So when you experience conflict in your relationship, please understand there is death at work somewhere in someone that is showing up or manifesting itself in relationship. But the first part of that verse says there's a way that seems right to us. And so if we're getting the same argument on a different day, please understand, it doesn't matter how right we think we are, death is at work in our relationship. Proverbs 16.2 says this, people may be pure in their own eyes, but God, but the Lord examines their motives. You can be doing the right thing with the wrong motives, and God is not obligated to respond to your wrong motives, even though your prayers are right. So some of us have been praying the right prayers, but our motives, the reason why we're praying them, are wrong, and God is not obligated, nor can he bless an ungodly and unholy motive. He will not violate who he is to answer our prayers when our motives are wrong. Proverbs 21 and 2 People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. God is concerned about the condition of our heart in relationship. And then lastly, 1 Corinthians 4, 4 says this. This is Paul speaking. My conscience is clear, but that does not prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide concerning the motives. And so in marriage, a lot of times, you think about it, we got to argue, you argue from your point of strength. You ever see two weak people arguing? They don't. So when you are in an argument, what is happening is both of you are operating from your strengths, trying to get what you want based on your strengths. And you ever consider this? The thing that you want from your spouse is already what you have in abundance. That's a whole other teaching because there's a reason that you have it in abundance, and it's not so that you can get more of it or demand more of it from your spouse. You are carrying around a portion of that strength that belongs to your spouse, but you haven't learned how to offer it, and one of the ways God gets us to offer it is through conflict. Now, I've just said a mouthful in about 15 minutes, so I'm going to stop here. And I'm just going to repeat the definition of conflict, and then I'm going to pray these scriptures, and then we're going to get off the phone. Amen. So conflict is God's request. This is not something your spouse is doing to you. Listen, when you gave your life to Christ, you became the leading lady or the leading man in a destiny, in a script, in a play that was written for you. Everyone else, everything else, every circumstance is a supporting actor, actress, or prop 
to help you become who God has called you to be in this life so that you can fulfill your destiny. And conflict is God's request for something you have. God never asks you for what you don't have. He asks you for what, he, what is already in you. Conflict is God's request for something you have so that he can share more of himself, he can reveal more of himself, that he can release more of his authority to perform his works in the earth, miracles and signs and wonders, that he can perform them even through you as he's purified your heart. Conflict, God's request for something you have, so that he can reveal more of himself to you because you can cooperate with God best when you can see him. And so he's obligated to reveal himself to you so that you can see him. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear him say. So God has a vested interest in you seeing him and you hearing him because that is the cornerstone of you being able to consciously cooperate with him. And then lastly, the frequency and intensity of the conflict you are experiencing in marriage or any other relationship equals the degree to which you are resistant, refusing, or unwilling to give God what he has asked you for. So when we're in conflict, a good question is, God, what are you asking for from me? And then, God, purify my motives that I may offer it in holiness and honor to you. So, Father, tonight we thank you for revealing conflict. We thank you that conflict has not come to destroy us. Lord, that it's come to help us to choose you in all things and to glorify your name in our marriages and in our relationships. Father, we thank you because your word says that when our ways please the Lord, you are responsible to make those at odds with us to be at peace with us. You said in your word that there is a way that seems right to us, but an end is the way of death. And, Father God, we confess that we've experienced death in our marriages and in our relationships with our kids and our employees and our children. We've experienced too much death, God, while we've held to our ways, thinking we're right because we're able to quote the scripture, because we can pray, because we've done all these wonderful things in your name, Lord, we just think that we're right, and yet our most important relationship, our relationships with our spouse, prove, God, that our ways are not right in your eyes, God. Lord, we just pray Proverbs 16, too. Lord, that our eyes, that that we would be pure in your eyes and not our own. For you said people may be pure in their own eyes, but you examine the heart. You said, Lord, that there are those that draw near to you with their lips, but they withhold the most precious part of themselves from you, and that is their heart. Father, I thank you, Lord, that our good is as filthy rags to you, that our good and our bad is all the same to you. Save Jesus Christ, God, we are nothing and can do nothing. Lord, Paul said, even though our conscience is clear, it doesn't prove that we're right, God. Our position, Lord, in ministry, in work, or as a husband or as a wife, it doesn't prove we're right, God. It is you who examine us and you who judges and you who decide 
whether we are right, whether our motives align with you or whether they don't. God, you're all about motives, God. You said man evaluates externally, but you evaluate internally, God, that you change things from the inside out. And so we present the hearts of husbands and wives to you tonight, God, and we say take out the stony heart and replace them with hearts of flesh that are responsive to you, God. Lord, we thank you, Father God, that all things are from you, through you, and to you. That's Romans 11.36, that nothing comes to us without going across your desk first, Father. So, Father God, tonight, Lord, we lay down the luxury of blame, and we admit that we have blamed our spouse, Lord, for things that you're trying to deal with us about, God. Lord, we just repent right now in the name of Jesus for blaming others for our own sin and our own problems and making them responsible for what you've asked us to take responsibility for. Lord, we thank you tonight, Lord, for as Jesus received this command from you, Lord, no one takes his life, but he lays it down only to take it up again. Lord, this command we accept and we receive for ourselves. And so tonight, Father God, we pray and we declare that every husband and wife individually will take their own life, will take responsibility for their thoughts, their feelings, and their actions, and will cease from blaming their spouse, God. Lord, I pray that you would pour out love like never before, God. Lord, fill us again, God, with your love and with your glory. Every husband and wife, God, every pastor, I pray for every church leader, every pastor, Lord, in the pulpit, every minister, God, whose marriages don't reflect your glory, God. Lord, that they are saying one thing, Lord, in ministry and living another thing out at home, God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would expose the hypocrisy and bring it to an end, God, that we truly might be a people of God, glorifying you inside out, God. I thank you and I pray that you teach your people, God, how to, Lord, upload the love that's in the spirit, which is in Christ, to their soul, God, and that it would integrate with their mind and their will and their emotions, God, that we will be a people of love, a people of compassion, God, Lord, people that will bring the kingdom of God to our own lives as it is in heaven. We bless you tonight, God. We honor you tonight. We bless you and we glorify your name. Let me just say this. I really feel this impressed to say this, that when we receive Jesus Christ, we receive him in his fullness in our spirit. Our spirit is recreated and is home to the spirit that was in Jesus Christ, the divine nature that is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Here's where we struggle. We have a spirit that has Jesus in his fullness in us, but we have a soul that still needs to be regenerated and made to look like our spirit. And so what happens is we receive the love of God. The Bible says that Christ died for us while we're yet sinners to demonstrate how much he loves us. And when we receive Christ, that love is resident in our spirit. But for many of us, that love, has not made its way into our soul. I know it because we still think the way we thought before. We still behave the way we thought before. And only love can cause a change, a long-lasting change. Only love can make a miracle. That's a whole other teaching. Amy's, Amy's texting me now. She's saying, Kim, you have to do that next week. But there's a reason. We need that love to get to our soul. 
And and so I want that to happen for you. And there's a there's a there's an example. I, I'll leave you leave you with this, and and then we'll close the call. Most of us have computers or a phone, and every now and then you get an update, a software update, a note that you need to update. And when you click on that from the cloud, from the cloud, when you click on that from the cloud, that new update downloads to your hard drive or your operating system on your phone or on your computer. And so when that happens, the computer, your, your computer still does not have access to that new software. What has to happen is the computer has to shut off and come back on, restart, reset, and in that shutting down or in that resetting, the new software integrates with the old software, overrides it, and now a new set of laws takes over and works out the kinks in the, in the previous software. So how does that relate to conflict? Many of us, we try to resolve conflict through humanistic methods. You cannot resolve a spiritual problem by natural means. Love is spirit and truly is the only thing in the long run that can resolve your conflict over time. And so we have to get the love of God. We have to be in a place where our soul is regularly receiving the love of God because when that love is in you, it will cause you to think differently. It will cause you to behave differently. It will cause you to interact differently because that is Christ in you working his life and living his life through you. So much I could go on. We're out of time today. Let me give you the replay number for today's call. I encourage you to go back, replay this call. If you have questions, email me at Kim at More on Relationships. That's my last name, M-O-O-R-E, on relationships.com. Please share this call with others if you have found it helpful to you. Love to come and speak at your church or organization. Just email me. We are ready and happy to serve. The replay number for today's call is 605-475-4980. The access code is 341-000-POUND. And the reference code for today's call is 58-POUND. Well, I want to thank you, all of those that are on here every week. Um, my God, every week, all of these ambassadors from 25 states, and I know they're, 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 there's not just one. There's, in some states, there's several of you who get on the call. Thank you for sharing the call as an ambassador. If you want to represent your state or become a reinforcement for your state, it's real easy. We just ask you to be on the call each week. We know stuff comes up, and you might miss a week or here. We're not hard and fast. But if you want to represent or reinforce your state, you can email me. And, and to showing up on the call by praying and sharing this call on your social media, by commenting, going to my Facebook page, Kim Moore um, Ministries, and making a comment about this call, that's how you can be ambassador. That's how we can publish this word throughout the land because God will not be denied. For the Bible says, much are the counsels of men, uh, many are the plans of men, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. We love you. We bless you. 
We will see you on the call next week. Again, thank you so much for doing this assignment with us in Jesus' name.